when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, his, he went to the garden of Gethsemane where he went to pray. And his prayer was so intense that it that it his sweat turned into blood. You can imagine the intensity, the amount of effort put into praying and just and he took some disciples with him. And they went, and he would go a little further, and then he would come back and he would say, and he would find them sleeping. And he would say, indeed, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Could you not watch with me one hour? Praise is... Where we engage. And sometimes you have to use your strength in prayer. You have to engage, you know, fervently. You have to push. And, you know, as we are going to focus more on prayer through the year, I hope with much fasting and prayer. When Moses went into the, up the mount to go and fellowship with the Lord, when his face shone, when the light was shining and beaming from his face, it was, that was prayer. He didn't say he went to go and pray. But it was prayer. And prayer transforms us, changes us. And we as a house, we have to develop not only the strength of prayer, but the intimacy thereof. The intimacy that comes through prayer. As it says in the book of Acts chapter 6, the apostle said, we must devote ourselves to the word of God and pray. So it's not only the word that is of great value, but it's also our prayer life. And so, when we bring the two together, I believe that we will experience a greater transformation in our lives. When we go into prayer, is that, that is when we start to engage the unseen realm. Prayer is not just words that we speak. It is the actual engaging into a, a realm that we cannot see. That is unseen, but can, but can begin to become very... But let me say it like this, you can start to experience the unseen. And you become more sensitive to it. So, when Jesus said to his disciples, could you not watch with me one hour? 
there was a sleepiness that was over them. Uh, um, a lack of strength to pray. We need, we need that strength of prayer. And the only way it's going to come is if we start praying. And sometimes we may feel like, what am I going to say in prayer? But you keep pushing. Amen? Okay. We as a house, we need to... We've said it many times, but... I think... I think we really need to do that. That's why we will be fasting every Thursday. And we will be pushing in prayer. Okay. Bless you, family. Good morning. Guten Morgen. Right, danke. Okay. We are busy with the churches of Macedonia, the keys that the Holy Spirit highlighted for us in the churches of Macedonia. And we want to we want to extract those principles and more and more I've been sharing with a few people that there is this um, this uh, word that is growing in my spirit more and more and it's kind of like a two-edged sword and when I say two-edged it means it, if you if you put a knife let's say a sword, not a knife, a sword into a, a piece of bread, you know it is cutting both sides. You know? And there is a truth that is growing of the reality of what is already in us, but also of the reality of what must be labored by us through faith. And, and so, it is is when we bring labor but with an understanding of what we already possess and then it becomes a work of faith because I work from what I have you have the talent, the gift, the, sk- the skill the ability you use that and you labor with it and so it gets excuse me, it's refined And so it is sharpened. And the measure of it increases. Right? Um, So this understanding. So when we talk about honor. We are talking about something that must be demonstrated. Um, It is firstly, as the word said in the book of Thessalonians. It says that we should esteem those that labor amongst us very highly. And the word for esteem, remember, is entame, in honor, in honor. In other words, honor is firstly inside, but it must have an expression. It must express itself. And I told you about the Shunammite woman that Elisha did not prescribe for her how she should honor it simply came into her heart. And then from her heart she expressed that honor. 
right? And so, honor can be expressed in various ways. It's, it's, what, you, it's what you feel in your heart. It's how you express it. But in the Old Testament, we find that God says, you can honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. In other words, you must bring your lips and your heart that they be one. Right? So that what you say comes from your heart. And so I want you to understand that honor has to be in the heart, but also has to express itself. Because it's in the expression that there is, in the expression of it, that there is a greater reward. Okay? Are you all with me? In the expression of, there is a greater reward. So in the Old Testament, like I said to you, we read of the works of faith. Right? They crossed the Red Sea by faith. Read the book of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith they crossed the Red Sea. By faith they crossed the river Jordan. By faith they departed. By faith. So it, is, it can be seen. It can, it can demonstrate itself. But it's when it demonstrates itself in work that it actually produces results. Are you all with me? Okay? You have to express it. But, but let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Before we continue with, uh, in this message of honor, I want to just show that Colossians chapter 3 and 22. It says here, Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So while... While they were instructed in the previous verse, in verse 22, right, to obey your masters and to serve your masters. So, obey your employer, serve your employer, right? Obey those that have the rule over you. While it was done to men, it was mainly not done to men. But in my heart, as I do it to men, I do it unto God. Everything we do, we do it unto the Lord. Why? Because it is the Lord who rewards. So my obedience here in the flesh is my obedience unto Him. He is the one that is instructing me. Right? He is the one that is saying through his word, this is how you should submit, obey, honor. And when I do it unto them, and I, in my heart, I am doing it unto the Lord, because I understand that it is the Lord that rewards, it's the Lord that promotes. Promotion does not come from the east, the south, wherever, but it comes from the Lord. Why? Because he sits on the throne. 
and he lifts up one and puts down another. So when we see this, verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So when you submit and obey masters or people who have rule, your employer, when you obey their instruction, when you serve them to the best of your ability, your employer, or any person that has a position of authority, right? And when you do that, the Bible says you are serving the Lord Jesus. Okay? And when you serve the Lord in that way, in your obedience, it is the Lord that rewards you. Okay? So, you are ultimately pleasing the Lord, not necessarily the man. But the Lord is instructing you how to do it. Okay? Then verse 40, 40, 25, sorry. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. Okay? So, in that sense, the Lord looks at your work. Not necessarily the fact that you are favored by Him. You are favored. But the favor manifests itself more when there, when there is also... Um, obedience to his word. Okay? And you are ready and you are able for that position. If we go to Ephesians chapter 6 from verses 5. Okay? Here we read the same thing. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 5. It says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters, employers, Person of authority, person who has the right to rule, according to the flesh, your masters in the flesh, right? With fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ. Verses 6, not with eye service. You know what eye service means? Azame dopo, azame besta. As a mini sini, then slekek. Eye service. If he's watching, stop notch. If he's not watching, it's below standard. Eye service. Right? Um, as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Bond servants of Christ. You know what bond servant means? That somebody else has authority over your life. That person is Christ. And he instructs you how you should obey. Doing the will of God from the heart. In other words, it is the will of God. Okay? It is the will of God that we be obedient to our employers. Be obedient to people who have authority over us. Okay? Verse 7. With good will, doing service 
as to the Lord and not to men. So, I'm told that I'm doing the will of God from the heart and in my goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. It is, I'm serving the people, the masters, but as I'm serving them, I am serving the Lord. It is the will of God to do it that way. Okay? Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Right? Whether he is a slave or free. So, in our context, whether you are working for somebody or not, the Lord is the one. Right? Who is a rewarder? Okay? And in their context, if you are a literal slave or not, the Lord is the one who is able to reward and to change. You see, many times we serve people, but not as unto the Lord, and then we ask from the Lord, Lord, give me a promotion. But if you want promotion from Him, then you must serve him and serve people the way he instructs you to serve them. So that he is the rewarder of what you do. Because he knows the heart and he is able to reward you. Verse 9. And you, masters. So this is your employer. This is your pastor, your leaders. Do the same things to them. Giving up threatening. Knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. So even your employer, when it comes to the Lord, don't get special treatment. He must also comply. He also has someone that is able to fire him. Is able to remove him from his position. Because the book of Psalms says, he lifts up kings. And he removes them. The book of Daniel will show you that kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Because the Lord is mightier than them. He judges kingdoms. He can remove kings. Right? And there is a, but there is a proper way to understand that, which is now not my goal of this teaching. But the main point that I'm starting off with this morning, while we're speaking about honor, we need to understand that we are doing it unto the Lord. That is where your focus got to be. Because you understand that the Lord is the one that rewards, not another person. Right? But the Lord will, will reward you often through people. Right? Put it in the heart of the person to promote, to give you a higher position when you serve correctly. Amen? So do you all understand that we honor as unto the Lord? Okay? Because the Lord is the one that rewards us. Because He looks at your service. Amen? Okay. So, one of the reasons... Why we are building this, this teaching on the Macedonia, the churches of Macedonia, and this order of father and son 
imitating your leaders. The leaders must be an example so that the, those who follow can see the example and become also an example. This order is so that we can, when we move to, the, to talk about the doctrine of Christ, which I want to revisit, that has a focus. The doctrine of Christ focuses on what is in you. What Christ did for you. What you possess in Him. Right? And it is a focus on you. But many times, when that happens, like when we have in the charismatic season, where it is a gift-centered, where the gift does not fit within the corporate, the body. Right? And so we putting this in place so that we can talk about you. Amen? So that we can talk about what it means to be in Christ and Christ in you. The hope of glory. So that we can see, so that we can see that what Jesus went to the cross for actually finds its expression in us. Okay, there's a reason why he went to the cross. And we do not want to come short of that um, reality that is, that is available for us. So I want to show you that there are different, um, different levels at which we honor. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 1. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 1. So I want you to understand that we are preparing. Okay? Maybe you're thinking, Oh, hy weet al klaar wat hy die volgende boodskappe. Moet die heilige geestie dan vir hom leid nie? That's my impression from the Holy Spirit. Amen? So 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 1. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Okay? If we're taking it to the extreme, right? Bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. So if you have an employer, you're working for that person, uh, you are to honor that, that person, that employer. So you also give honor to your employer, to your CEO, to whoever is over you in your company, the company that you work for. You are to honor. You are to show that honor and respect for the person, for the position of authority that they have. Now, sometimes these things are hard because... We struggle simply to accept the fact that that person that has the authority has the right to tell me what to do. Amen? It's just that way. There is, you know, and if you read on, so he says, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. So if you are unable to honor and serve them correctly, treat them with respect, then even our message will not be, 
will be disregarded, despised, thought very low of. They'll tell you, now it depends on the, the kind of employer you have. You might tell you, shut up. Don't talk to me about Jesus. Come update, my friend. Right? Do you understand? You don't even do your work properly. But you want to tell me about Jesus. I don't want to hear about him. If you can't even do your work right. You understand what I'm saying? And the manner, and it's easy for us to speak with disrespect to them. Right? I'm not saying you may not have a voice. We just, have, we just always have a problem with the attitude. Right? So, you're allowed to speak your mind. But as you will see, the scriptures will say, speak it with all fear and trembling. Right? Speak the way that you speak must not be in a disrespectful way. Honor. So the other place, now if you go to verse 2 of this, it says, and those who have believing masters. So now if your, your brother in Christ is your employer, you say, let them not despise them because they are your brethren, but rather serve them. Because those, who are benef- because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. Teach and exhort these things. We are to teach this. We are to encourage you to serve your brother or your sister who is your employer. Serve them. Right? Honor them in their position. So when the scripture says do not despise them, it's not that when you look at your brother or your sister, who is your employer, as, as if he's not your brother. It's the very fact that you see him as your brother, that you struggle to accept the position of employer over you. So where is the despising? Where the word despise means to think less of. Right? Where is the despising? It is in the... The position as employer. You understand what I'm saying? And so we are told to honor them as well. Okay? So we have that in the work context. We can have that also in the church context. Right? You may have different leaders. And usually the struggle is, it's my brother. Especially when we were brothers and sisters in Christ. He or she did not have a position of authority. And all of a sudden they were given a position of authority. It becomes difficult to accept that the person has the right to instruct. Amen? Okay? I'm showing you the different places that we honor. So in this context, in your workplace, you are to honor. And the, the kind of service you give to him. The kind of respect that you show him. 
makes, and then when you would want to talk about Jesus, it would make him, what's the word? Also have respect, at least, in some way, for the, for the God that you serve, especially if he's the one that's teaching you those things. Amen? Okay? Let's go to First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. So I just want to show you that when we talk about in the context of church and honoring your leaders, that it's not that we are saying that we are the only people that are being honored. But it's because the Holy Spirit has highlighted that area. That is why there is a focus thereon. But it does not mean that we are saying that there's no other places that you should honor. Okay? So... Um, what did I say? First Peter. First Peter 3, 7. Now look what it says. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. That's your wives. Okay? Husband dwell with your wives with understanding. Giving honor to the wife. Value. Appreciate. Show the manner in which you treat her. That you honor and you value your wife. Okay? As to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. That your prayers may not be hindered. Okay? So even the husband must show honor towards his wife. And in the honor in that is that he, the way that he treats her, he values, he appreciates. He has determined her worth and therefore the way that he treats her. Is shown. Okay? Are you all with me? Now it's not a marriage seminar. So we're not going to go into much. I am simply highlighting to you. That honor is in various places. And, and in the relationships. That we find ourselves. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Verse 1 to 3. It says children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise okay that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth so part of your expression of honor if you read it in context children obey your parents in the Lord for it is written honor your father and your mother so part of your Expression of honor is your obedience to parents. Okay? Are you all with me? It is, it is that honor that you show. It's, it's one of the ways that you show honor. So honor even in that context, your children. So whether you are young, whether you are old, you are to show honor towards your parents. The manner in which you treat them. Okay? So if you are not in the house anymore and things like that, so it's obviously a different story. But even when you are out of the house, you are still to show them honor. Why? Because it will go well with you. That's what it says. Well. I have found that way, and you, may, you can do your own search and research, that wherever children take care of their parents and are concerned for their well-being 
right? You get some extreme cases of situations and so on, but in general, you will find that it is going well with the children. Okay? And that you may live long on the earth. Okay? Not, not die quickly. So, let's go to Romans chapter 12 and verses 10. The one that Ernest read today. Chapter 12 and verses 10. Here we see, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. So even honor is to be shown towards your brothers and sisters in Christ, in the manner in which we treat them. Right? And show them uh, value for them. Okay? So, again, when I'm talking about honor... I know that I'm focusing much on this relationship here. The leaders in the church, leaders, pastors, and, and then those who follow. I know I'm speaking much in that context, but I'm only speaking in that context because the Holy Spirit has emphasized that. And that we should focus and develop that. But so that you don't have the impression that I am expecting something out of the norm. You know, when we teach this word. But that you see that it is kind of everywhere. So if you struggle with the concept or the idea that leaders should be honored. And when we look at that word value, esteem, think highly of. You know, treat them in a certain way. Treat with respect and stuff like that. Then we don't. That you don't get the impression that you're trying to make a demigod in the house. We're trying to make some special person. But that we are simply teaching you what the word says. Right? And so, your wrestling is not with me. Your wrestling is with the word. Right? I just happen to be the one giving the message. So... You could have a problem with me as well because I'm giving, but it's the word that I'm teaching you. You must look at the scriptures and not necessarily get stuck with the person, but look at the scriptures. Okay? So we honor one another. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. It says here, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in the doctrine. Okay? So the elders in the church context, and again, he's talking about, Paul uh, Paul wrote to Timothy to tell him how he should behave, conduct himself. Within the house of God. So in Paul's mind, there isn't, there isn't a thing like every person is on his own. In Paul's mind, there's a house, there's a family, and there is a way that we should 
and conduct ourselves. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Right now it's not just honor, but it's double honor. Especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Okay, what is double honor? Double honor, right? If you read in context, context always explains text. Okay? So the next verse, he says, verse 18, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while he treads out the grain. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. Okay? So, here the ox, he uses the scripture and he's talking about an ox. And he says, and this is from the Old Testament. He brings out this verse and he says, the ox, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the grain. Now, if you go to in... I think it is, let me just get it here. First uh, Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 9. We'll come back to this verse now. First Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn or grain. Does God take care for oxen? Okay, in other words, for his, so this is taken out from the Old Testament. So you see, even the Old Testament is relevant to us if it's properly applied in the New Testament. Okay? You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is, is it oxen God is concerned about when he's talking about these things? Verses 10. Or does he say it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written. So Paul is saying this whole verse, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the grain, is written for our sakes. Right? Uh, for our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, that he who threshes in hope should be partakers of this hope, of his hope. So in other words, when the person is plowing, laboring, threshing out, okay, verses 11. For we have sown spiritual things for you. Is it a great thing if we reap your material things. So, when he says, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, the ox is a laboring animal. And he says, the laborer is worthy of his hire. So, the laborer is the one that's laboring in doctrine and prayer and the word and laboring amongst you. Okay, now I know we all should labor. But in the context, he's talking about your leaders, elders that are laboring. It says they are to be counted worthy of double honor. You shall not muzzle the ox. He works, he labors. Right? Anybody here wants to go to work tomorrow and work for free? 
You are worthy of your hire. Right? In this context, obviously in church context, we cannot prescribe. Right? In that sense, how you honor. But, what I'm saying to you is that the context, right, the context is explaining the text. And so the ox is those who labor in the body of Christ, those who labor in the household of faith. That they are to be honored. And double honor here is speaking about material things, financial things. It's just what it is. Read it for yourself. You can read it over and over again. You can turn it, twist it, however you want. It's just what it says. It's what is what it is. Okay? Um, Verses 12. He says... If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Okay? So, Paul says it's his practice not to force these things. And this is not his main message. Okay? And this is also not my main message. We just happen to be focusing on this message. But once we've finished with it, You're not going to hear us talking about money again. Okay? You're not going to hear us talking about these things. Because we teach it and we don't bring people up here on the stage to give you a 10 minute encouragement on why you should give every Sunday. We're not here to extract it out of you. Right? But we are to teach what the word says. So Paul says you've endured in all these things. I have done and I have, I can stand with a clean conscience and know that these things we have done and still do. Nevertheless, we have not used this right. So, let's go in going back to, to 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. Okay? Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and Doctrine, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while he treads out the grain. And the laborer is worthy of his hire. Grain, corn, is always a picture of doctrine because out of that you make bread. And so on, the bread is the word of God. It teaches us things. And so, it is the labor that is put in. Okay? There is labor and effort. If I tell you, if I tell you, spend Spend five, six hours a day in the word and write and pray. What are you going to say to me? That's labor. Labor. Right? It is a labor. Reading the word. Right? Late at night, spending time writing things, preparing, praying, hearing from the Lord. What should we say? What should we teach? It's a labor. Right? That's why if you do not labor, you cannot grow. Okay? So, there is a honor. So, honor is on various levels in relationship and so on. At your workplace, your brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, your wife, husband. Um, now, in the church context, honor. So, when, I, when I'm teaching that, I'm going to now further go into this because this is what the Holy Spirit wanted me to highlight. Esteem your elders. Esteem those that labor among you. Those that are sent among you. Honor has to do with 
sight has to do with um, what you see, to value, to prize. Okay? Um, let's read Ephesians chapter th- 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and simply let's just read from verse 1. It says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Okay, so Paul says there was a grace given to him. The dispensation, the administration of grace was given to him. Okay, the stewardship of the grace of God, right, uh, was given to him. And it was given to him for the benefit of others. But he says that... The revelation was given to him concerning the mystery. Verses, verses 4. By which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. As it has been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. And partakers of his promise in Christ. Through the gospel of which I am became a minister according to the gift, the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, verse 8, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach the unsearchable uh, as preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So what is the value of a preacher? The value of a preacher is that this is how God unlocks and decodes mysteries and brings those mysteries to the church so that all may know. It is a grace that is given to them to unlock the scriptures, to take the veil off, to bring Christ out. Right, so that we can discover Christ and so that we can see Him and so that, so that the hope and the goal of the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, that expression should come to the forefront, right? Should be seen. It is a grace given. The whole mystery of where Jesus talks a parable and He says, and He says, and the Bible says, and Jesus spoke a parable and He said, a sower went out to sow. And he sowed seed amongst the, which side? The wayside, the stony ground, amongst the thorns, and on good ground. And then, he's, and then he explains, and then the disciples come to him and says, How, um, please explain this parable to us. Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand the rest? What am I communicating to you through this parable? Then he goes on to explain, he says, the sower is the one that sows the seed, the word of God, the scatter, the, the preacher of God's word. 
Then he says, then he says, and the different grounds, the wayside, the stony and the thorny and the good ground is the hearts of people. Right here as we are sitting here. There, are, there is a wayside heart. There is a stony heart. There is a thorny heart. And there is a good heart. The stony heart is the one that enjoys the revelation of the word. But in the difficult times, he departs from that word. Because the word, the Bible says, did not gain root. So he is by the heat and the persecution and the difficulties that come his way, that word gets lost. And, in, and then the word does never bring the fruit That's why in your obedience, there must be a determination to obey regardless of difficulty. If you only obey when it's comfortable and easy, it is not rooted into your life. And if it's not rooted, it cannot produce the fruit that it desires. Right? The, the, the reward and the fruit of the word is in its obedience, not in the knowledge of it. Right? And when we possess knowledge but no obedience to the word, we have deceived ourselves. We are in deception. To a measure we are in deception even though we've received a revelation. And that's why we, that's why I don't preach a Every Sunday a different message. Because I know you need time to digest. To allow the word to fight with your mind. So until you come to surrender to the word. If you have a fight with it. And then obey and do and practice because it's in the doing thereof that the blessing is. Are you all with me? Okay? There is a measure of life that comes to you when you get a revelation and so on but it's the actual practice. Okay? You go honor your wife and we'll see what happens after a month or two. The change. You go treat her like she's worth it. Of value. And we see what happens. How she will turn around and treat you differently. Right? But you may know you should honor your wife. That is great. You have gone to a certain measure. You've you've started with, you need to acquire the knowledge. But, once you practice it, you will enjoy it. The fruit of the practice of that word. Okay? Now, I don't believe that people must honor us and we can't give them a good reason to honor us. Okay? Even though the Bible does teach that even sometimes when you are mistreated that you should still submit and obey. Alright? We've read that already and I I don't want to go into that. But, you know, um, 
I one time said to somebody, I said, why must, why must your wife submit to you because the word says so? Why can't you give her a good reason to do it? You understand what I'm saying by that? So as a husband, you must, you must treat, be an honorable man, a man of honor, a man that treats his wife with respect and handles the things the right way so that it is easier for your wife to submit. Okay? Are you all with me? Okay? That's why very often when I talk on marriage, I tend to actually buffet more the men than the wives. Okay? Because, because, I, because I understand it starts there first. As much as, as, much as it's often difficult to hear that we should submit, right, as wives. But I also believe that as men, we should treat them honorably with respect and value and worth, right? Are you all with me? Our husbands say, Amen. Come on, man. Amen. Amen. I want to hear that. Amen in the house. Okay. Right. Thy army like star. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So, there is a gift of grace given to the preacher to unlock scriptures. And so, here in the heart, there are different grounds. Okay? So, when the word is preached and the word is sown and it's scattered, the, the thorns, the Bible says, is the cares of this world, is the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of flesh that come in. That is what chokes the word. So you cannot always say from the start, the word doesn't work. Because you must also check your heart. Because your heart can be hindering the fruit of the word. But as the word is obeyed in the difficulty... Sometimes where you find yourself in the situation, as it is obeyed, the scriptures in the book of Peter says that as you obey, you sanctify your soul. In other words, you are busy with the purging process. You cleanse yourself as you obey. And I know sometimes that is in the, the word. It may sometimes feel like it's such a work focused. It's not a work, it's an obedience that you practice. Jesus was a son, yet he obeyed, even in his suffering. So he did the will of God, even though it was difficult for him while he was going to the cross. The will of God was, you need to be crucified, you must drink this cup. You must go to the cross for everybody. And that was difficult. And the difficulty was that people were doing it to him. And he had to obey, even the father, he had to obey that this is where he must go through. And it became the obedience. And the Bible says, and, and being made perfect. 
You mature through that process. Uh, are you all with me? So that's why the word of instruction, the Bible says all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit and is given, right, for instruction in doctrine and in righteousness. So the instruction of righteousness is not necessarily considering your feelings. You understand that? When you are instructed in righteousness, it's not necessarily... The Bible, when the Bible tells you to fast, it doesn't say... I, the scripture doesn't go like this. I know it's difficult to fast and your stomach gets hungry, but fast. No. The scripture doesn't say that. The scripture says fast. When you fast. And there's a whole lot of other things that go, but fast. It says when you pray. Not if you pray. When. So it doesn't say, you know, if, you, you know, if you're not tired and if everything is good, then you can do it. Right? It says pray. The reason I'm highlighting that is because we bring always the feelings and the emotions into the... And based on the feelings and the emotions that we feel, we make decisions. Whereas when you know the instruction, right, then you will, then you will use the instruction. Because the Bible says, I wisdom speak, or let me rather say this, in the book of Proverbs it says, all my parts are the parts of righteousness. Wisdom, right, never speaks in disagreement with the righteousness of God. Always in agreement. All my parts are righteousness. Do you understand? So you use righteousness, the understanding of how it should be done. And when when you do that, you are busy working your emotions out of the picture. So that you can learn to walk by the Spirit. And to, to walk by the Spirit, you have to... They that... Bible says, they that walk in the Spirit, they are minding the things of the Spirit. But the carnal mind is death. What is carnal mind? Ah, but ye... The way he treated me there. This employer of mine. He had a bad day in my liquor gefluk and gescale. And now he's telling me to do something. Is he your employer? <laughs> okay. We're not talking about extremes where we can't take that and accept that. Why? Because I've already, I've already shared this with you in the book of Peter. Because it says you are following the example of Christ. Who suffered at the hands of authority. But in the suffering in the flesh, there was something happening on the inside of him. Okay. Now, let me just read that. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Chapter 4. 
verses 16. Because we have to understand, uh, sometimes we don't understand the benefit of actually enduring things correctly. You, you, one of the things the Lord did with me early in my life is He taught me how to suffer right. That's a, he told me if you do it this way, it produces things in you. Okay? So verse 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. And if you read the context, it's talking about suffering. Um, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 74, our light affliction, your difficulty, your challenges, your struggles, your things that you face, if you endure it correctly, your light affliction is doing what? It's but for a moment and it's working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But if you don't have the desire for glory or for to be like Him, then you will never be interested in suffering. Correctly. Your words will be, no, this, is, this must be reche is unfair. Right? But we're not looking at what's unfair, we're looking at what is right and let the Lord reward you for your service. The Bible says about Jacob who worked for his uncle Laban. Laban changed his salary ten times. Promised him things and changed his salary ten times. Ten times he went against his promise. And he was cunning and he was the thief that was stealing the blessing from Jacob. Because Laban was being blessed by Jacob's labor. Laban said, I know from the day you came here. Wow, God has blessed me. My cattle has increased. My men servants and my maid servants have increased. I know that the Lord has blessed me because of you. But yet Laban stole. He was the thief. That was robbing Jacob of the blessing of God that was working. And you know what, uh, what, what Jacob did? When Jacob matured. Out, when he matured from that suffering, that difficulties, is then when he said, hey, I'm starting my own, I'm leaving you now, it's finished. Because he knew, as he, as he dealt with the, with the value of himself, because he came to the understanding of his worth, because he said to Laban, I know that God has blessed me. Because, Lord, bless you because of me. And I know that since my coming, how things have increased. And Laban said, Amen. As far. Could acknowledge and see it. But Jacob didn't understand his worth. But in through the process, he began to understand. He began to see 
He said, that is my honor. But he waited for God. And then God appeared to him and said, listen, I have seen what has been happening to you. It's now time. Come. God promoted him. So because Jacob said to Laban, I served you even though you mistreated me. I served you in righteousness. Can you, you understand what I'm saying? Right? It is through that process that we go. We must learn to obey even when it is difficult. So that we can get the soulish dimension. That soul part of you. Which is the will, the emotions, the feelings, and the thoughts that come with emotions. You know when you're angry? What are you thinking? When you butter, what are you thinking? When you're offended, what are you thinking? When you are mistreated, unfairly, what are you thinking? To silence those voices, you must learn to obey. How did we get there? Because we were talking about the hearts, the stony and the thorny hearts. The word is sown into your heart. It is given, right? But when you obey, you are busy making your heart fruitful ground. Because in your obedience, you are sanctifying your soul. In other words, you are busy cutting away those emotions that are not in agreement with the word. And when you serve the Lord and you honor the Lord, He is the rewarder of it. He is the one who sees your service and rewards you. Are you all with me? That's why I was saying, if our goal is right, what is your goal in life? Is it to be like him? Is it to come to maturity? Because this is one of the things that we are facing in the 21st century church. Is that we've got so many different desires that the world has given us. And where Christ has a goal. Where God is working towards a goal. And the church must align itself with that goal. If we don't align with that goal, we come into what I call the false promised land. Right? Comfort can sometimes sometimes be the very thing that's hindering you from the next leveling God. I don't know how long I've been speaking... Joshua, can you just give me a a show there? Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 9 verses 6. So the value of the preacher is the fact that he has been given a grace to unlock the scriptures. And I said to you before, in this house, there are many who are called to be preachers. We've had that prophetic word. Kobus was here. He said there are many, many here who are called for ministry. Right? Which means that 
that it is there is an ability and grace given amongst people here to un, to open the scriptures. Now the Holy Spirit can speak to you through the Word. You will read the Word for yourself, and God will speak to you and show you. But there is a part of the Word that you will never see without the preacher. That just is what it is. Right? Uh, I'm not trying to elevate the preacher or anything. I'm just telling you what the word says. There is a worth in the preacher. Now we know preachers have fallen. We know fathers have fallen. We know that. But God will not stop raising fathers, raising preachers. Okay? So in First Samuel, First Samuel chapter 9 verse 6, God says, And he said to him, Look now, there is in the city a man of God. I got the right scripture. Should second. I think I got the wrong verse here. Okay. I'll give it to you next week. This scripture says, God says, I will honor those who honor me. In other words, when we practice honor, God is the one that then starts to honor you. Which means that you must be honorable to be honored. And the way that you are honorable is by practicing honor yourself. Building a reputation. Okay? Building something in your, in your life. The honor does have rewards. It does. It will go well with you. You'll live long. The, the one in Exodus says, if, if you honor your father, your mother, you will live long in the land that he gives you. Now, if you put that in the proper context of what the, the Bible was saying, the land that they were given was inheritance. And the inheritance was by lot. In other words, it was not just any land. In, what God is saying, when I bring you into the things that I've meant for you, because you practice honor, you are guaranteeing that you will live long in the inheritance. In your destiny, in your future. Otherwise, you will come into it and then you go. Because when we come into our, the callings and the destinies that is for us, it is sometimes the place where we start becoming proud. And then we treat people dishonorably. And then, slowly but surely, we lose what we have possessed. Do you understand? 1 Samuel 2, verse 13. No, ooh, 30. 1 Samuel 2, verse 3, 0. No, ooh, it's a pain. Well, anyway, at least you know it's in the Bible there somewhere. Okay, so here he says, Far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. 
have 10 minutes. Okay, thank you. So, time goes slow today. Did you also notice that? I was at home, I was like, ons is al lang al klaar. Ja, dit is starig vandag. Okay. Honor. Treat. Uh, so the key of the Macedonian churches, one of the keys of the Macedonian churches is that they were taught how to esteem those who labor amongst them very highly. Remember very highly? Over and above. Okay? The Shunammite woman made an upper chamber. Okay? Not a downstairs. It is a way that you treat them, value them, respect them. It's a way that you make sure that, hey, you don't just talk something. Okay? You don't hear me talking about the government, the president, the so fall nonsense and do need to quickies and whatever. Even like now, the, there's a thing with T.D. Jakes and, and T.B. Joshua and whatever. Whether, I don't know the people by person. I don't know them personally. I don't know. I can't judge. Unless God said something to me. But I'm not saying a thing. It's not even part of my conversation. I just ignore it and move on. Right? We, we must be people of honor. And the key, that one of the keys that made the, the Macedonian churches flourish in grace was the fact that they knew how to esteem, value, treat their leaders with respect. It was one of the keys. Because, again, this is how you open or close yourself to grace. So how you open or close yourself to grace. That's why the scripture says, submit yourself to the elder, okay? And then it says, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It simply means that God has determined that if you disregard, disrespect, dishonor, any place where he has put grace in a person to minister to you, and you dishonor them, he will not allow that grace will flow to you. Now tell the person next to you, I have grace. No, not me. Tell the person next to you, me, me, the person that you're looking at, I have grace. Now tell the other person, but we don't have that grace the pastor has. So, I am not, the reason I said that is because maybe you can think, uh, he's the only one that has grace here in the house. No, that's not my point. I'm just saying there was a grace to given to preach. That's the point that I'm making there. And I don't want to overlabor, but I want you to understand that. So, we all have been given grace, but to some have been given grace. And we know that's why the Bible says, are all apostles? What's the answer? Are all prophets? Are all pastors and teachers? Are all evangelists? So, and those things is a grace given. 
So if you are not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, you do not have that grace. But Paul says, this is why they were given grace for the people. Right? It is, if they keep it for themselves, then God will just not ever bring them into a place where they can dispense it. Because it was never meant for you. It was the goal of grace given to you is for another. To build them up. Amen? Okay? So what are we to recognize when we are honoring? We are to recognize position in the spirit. Father, rank. What is the rank? Can I see it? Right? And the expression of honor is determined by you. Are you all with me? Okay, let's stand off in the day. We So these um, again as I've said you before, this message is preparing us, as I believe, for the doctrine of Christ. I'm, you know what, uh, inside me I'm like, can you see that the doctrine of Christ come You know, because, but unfortunately the Holy Spirit gave me this message and I have to speak it. Right? I would have wanted to be already there. Because I love the doctrine of Christ and I love what it can mean to us. But we have to build this order, put it in place. And as I said to you last week, that sometimes we do things right, not knowing what we are doing. And therefore we have to teach it. So that you know what you are doing, so that you may keep to the way. Okay. Amen. Are we, are we ready to honor, to practice? And don't stop giving. Right? In all its expressions. Okay? We, we don't want it to be a seasonal practice. It must become part of our way of life. When we practice these things regularly, it becomes things that become part of us that we don't even need to think about. We just do it. Okay? And it, so when we come, give a hug, Give, just give a prayer, encourage someone, give, give grace, use grace, serve another, don't stop it, okay? So Father, we pray, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Father, that we may see this word. I know that when the word is preached, it falls on different places, it falls on stony ground, on the wayside. So we hear what is said, but we quickly forget. Or we hear what is said, and we take it, but we face challenges. And we choose to bow to our challenges. But I pray, Lord, that you would, by your Spirit, build this culture of honor. Where we honor one another where we honor our wives, where we honor our leaders, we honor our employers, those that have the right to give us instruction in our workplaces. We honor one another. 
and we build that culture because it's by doing these things that we will cause ourselves not to be unfruitful but always to be fruitful in the things of God where when we do it happens there is a place that when we do it happens and it just works because we are living in a certain way so Lord I pray that by your spirit you will open this word to us I, my prayer is that uh, it will here is an African say let it word you on I pray for a war, a wrestling with this word. That, and that this word will prevail. That's my prayer. We have heard it. But my prayer is that it may prevail. And as it prevails, we thank you Lord that there will be fruit that will come from it. So I pray Father that you will allow by your spirit that healing will take place wherever we have been offended wherever we have uh, been hurt or not even hurt we are just offended because we are struggling with the concept I pray Holy Spirit that you will bring healing and peace and rest in the name of Jesus Christ And everybody say, Amen, Amen.